to Get Real Podcast. All right, Glennard, and we're back. We are, but we're back differently now. Glenn, I wanted to let you know something. Okay. Um, I have decided to launch a brand new metal band. And what's it going to be called? Satanic side. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be awesome. No, for real. What are you listening to these days? Give I'll, me an update. I'll tell you, I am very excited with what has been coming out and what's been uh, being put out on the metal side of the music spectrum. Um, I've added some videos to our Lithos Cry YouTube channel about some of this stuff. Uh, as many of our listeners know, uh, my favorite band within temptation just came out with a new album uh it just came out on february 1st one of the tracks on there is called in vain and uh basically it's ecclesiastes one uh chapter one verse two where solomon says that everything's in vain and what's interesting is that the same weekend that came out our favorite band delane came out with their most intense video and intense song discussing the things of eternity in a song called Masters of Destiny. And this was all came out the weekend of the blood moon. And there's a lot of prophetic significance. And the reason why I'm excited is that here's an example of God speaking very clearly and very boldly outside of the religious establishment through a medium that most people that would say is satanic cyanide, <laughs> um, speaking through a medium that most people would consider to be foolish, but God uses what people would consider to be foolish to, to speak truth. Uh, so both of these songs came out the same weekend, the same weekend of the blood moon. And what's interesting is I just watched an interview with Charlotte and she's had three albums now that have to do with the moon. And this is the year that we have three blood moons. That is very interesting stuff. So but go to the I do need to let page. you know, you make me feel like really, really unspiritual. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I've been like <laughs> feasting on King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> there, there's profitability. There's profitability to that. There is. No, I have a. I don't have a lot of time off, but sometimes if the business gets a little slow, I'll start to indulge in a lot of music and i love metal but i listen to so many different things so king gizzard is awesome Check so it out. if you like psychedelic rock or you like a lot of metal fans and some of their stuff approaches mm, i don't know that's probably a long well, shot when but you showed me their video of their one song it reminded me their style of the early early black sabbath it did it had a lot of kind of uh that sort of presence but i love king gizzard another one that i'm absolutely absolutely and yes we know that there's a ghost coughing in the background there is a ghost we're gonna get to that in a few minutes we have a mystery guest today we do have a mystery guest Mm -hmm. behind the curtain what another group that i love okay all them witches I have to listen to that. You were telling me about them yesterday. They're not into witchcraft. Or I don't like, you know, even if it's the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Anybody's dabbling with whatever there, there is. It's all it's all God. OK, yep. but I don't like people that are overtly satanic. I just I don't, don't like bring it into my house. No. I don't I don't dig it. If somebody's questioning and they're wrong or their heart cry is off or sloppy or whatever, I couldn't care less. I'm not going to be I'm not going to preen about some sort of thing like that but i do like this band musically i mean they're intense lyrics are cryptic but heavy and just but 
amazing. So then um, I've really enjoyed, what is it, uh, NPR Music. I don't really like NPR as far as a lot of political stance and stuff right. and so forth. But their music and the Tiny Desks. Okay. You, are you familiar with yeah, those? Yeah, I'm familiar with that, yeah. They, they absolutely rock. They've got some great artists. And I like it because whoever's in charge of that, they just pick good artists and people you've never heard before that blow your mind. So if you like, um, you'll everybody's going to know how weird I am. But check out King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Okay. And check out all them witches and i don't know anything about prophecy and blood moons and everything like that but <laughs> so now i'll just uh, yeah. i'll stay over here for the rest and, of the and we get into that a little bit more on the lithos cry youtube channel with the videos i've put out some videos on blood moons and how um within temptation and delaying tie into this now there is one other band that i do have to give another shout out to and we discussed them in our last edition of satanic cyanide with the maniacal mayonnaise and what a menace it is uh is the band enemy inside they just came out with a new video this week and i love this it's called phoenix and this is the description of the video and it kind of ties in, I think, with where we're going to go today. This uh, song and video is for everyone who has suffered from a toxic or emotionally abusive relationship and has wasted one's time and loved on a person who wasn't worth it. Phoenix is about rising from the ashes and turning pain into strength, finding new faith and love. Wow. Now, I, where was that again? They posted that on their Facebook page. Um, Enemy Inside, they posted, I reposted it on the Lithos Cry Facebook page. Big shout out to Evan K yeah. and Natasha, the, the lyricist. I am just amazed with what that well, band is putting out. That, that dovetails with what we're going to be talking about today. Nice segue, Dan. We're going to be, oh, wasn't that smooth? <laughs> that was smooth, you know, man. Somebody's got skills. You are good at this. Um, yeah, and we do need to put out a warning. Um, the quality of the podcast should have increased a lot. Hopefully. And we got some pretty velvety pipes working up in here. You hear that? Okay. So we just needed to let everybody know we're not Barry White. Nope. This is not time to conceive a child. It's time to listen to the Get Real podcast. <laughs> so hand check yes. across America and the world. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about, we're going to be discussing manipulation. Manipulation. And um, Glenn, imagine a scenario. Okay. Okay. I don't think this is going to be too hard to imagine. Well, yeah, no, we, we've kind of lived certain portions of this. Well, imagine a scenario where you've got a husband and a wife and the husband will go and deceitfully take things and he'll hide them. And then he'll say, honey, have you seen my keys, cufflinks, my keys? And then he will hide them. As if she stole them. And then gradually, he begins to wear her down and wear her down and wear her. Honey, where's, aren't you, I'm going to take you out to dinner tonight. I want you to really, and wear that special brooch I gave you for our anniversary. But yet, uh, he takes it and locks it up. So it appears that she's lost it. And he keeps working this angle and keeps working this angle to the point that she starts to question her own sanity. All right. And she becomes malleable. There's a certain term for that. But before we talk about it, I'd like to introduce our guest who's been coughing and rustling around. <laughs> Sarah, I apologize. Sarah Beth. Hello. 
Hi, guys. It is great to talk with you. We we are longtime friends. Haven't seen you in a long, long time. You're also yep. an attorney. Is there anything else shameful you'd like to get off your chest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think you covered it. <laughs> okay. Excellent. We want to talk about gaslighting and mm. manipulation, especially when it applies to things spiritual, to church life. Yeah. So take it away. Wow. All right, guys. Well, we all kind of have a similar history. We have the same history. I'll say that. We've experienced uh, gaslighting in different ways, um, and you described it really well. I think it comes from a movie called Gaslighting. I think that's where that psychological term yeah. actually originated. Um, but really, I think I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I've thought about it quite a lot in the last um, almost six years since I escaped um, an environment where that was basically just the way things were. Um, I think Christians especially can be susceptible to it because we're, t we're told um, the heart is deceitfully wicked. You can't know your own heart. And that verse was used against me quite a lot. And um, I think, excuse me, <clears throat> I think that that is where the manipulation and the reliance on pleasing someone other than God and letting someone else tell you what God has said um, gets really dangerous. Quick question. Um, and, Quick, I'm mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt. Can you think of a an example? I really want to give concrete examples. You don't have to quote names or anything like that, but give us a specific yeah. of what you can remember sure. of, of that happening. Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind, and I mean, guys, if you need to edit stuff, just full, like I just is, I'm just going to talk. Um, it's get real. Yep. This is one of this is one of my the first things that comes to mind when you say that because growing up in in the um, I'm just gonna go ahead and just say growing up in the cult because that's what it was. Sure. Um, growing up there, that is absolute. They had to break me down. Um, I am a strong-willed person, and I'm actually really thankful for that. But um, they really had to break me down a whole lot. So one time, it was. I got called aside after church by the pastor's wives, or I should say the elders' wives, and a couple of the youth leaders, and I was accused of something that I did not do, and I said I didn't do that thing, and it was silly. We, we had a homeschool group, and we had a cooking class, and it was after the cooking class, and we were outside playing, and someone told one of the pastor's wives that I had been dancing sensually in the yard. Um, and that makes me laugh to talk about it right now, um, which at the time I didn't even have the capacity to know what that meant or even how to do it. Do you recall um, what age you were roughly? I was, I would have been, let's see, I couldn't have been more than 13 years old. I may have been 12. Wow. I was very young and they called me in the back of the church and ganged up on me, um, and my mom was with me and they said, you did this thing. They didn't say you know, tell us what happened. I said I didn't do it, and I started to cry because how else would you respond to a gang of people telling you you did something, uh, especially in that culture where you can't dance, you can't do anything that seems inappropriate, and I've been accused of the worst thing ever. Um, and I just cried and cried, and they said, you don't know your own heart. You did it. Mm. And that happened to me over and over again on so many levels until I stopped believing my own perception of reality and that is exactly where they wanted all of us to be. I stood up for myself a few times 
and I got in, in even more trouble. So after that conversation at the church, um, the next night was youth group, was girls youth group, because we had been divided into girls and boys because boys, we weren't even allowed to talk to boys for a while. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, we were not allowed to speak with the boys at church. For I didn't a time. know that was I didn't going know that on either. No. That happened. That happened for a time period. I keep wanting to tell y'all which building we were at, but I'll save that for later. We were in a particular time period of that time, um, and we were not allowed to speak with opposite sex at church. And we'd have to ask permission to leave the uh, sanctuary, to go to the bathroom, um, to do anything. We had to ask permission. I, I was remember a teenager. that. Yeah, yeah uh, as a teenager. So next night was youth group, girls' youth group, and one of the leaders forced me to confess my sin to the youth group, the sin that I hadn't committed, and the sin that I had been convinced that I did commit. And, the, and I was so ashamed because at that time, I really did want to please God, and I knew that I needed to be a modest girl, and I didn't want to be sensual or be temptation to anyone, and I was so ashamed of myself for something I didn't even do, wow. and I had, and they forced me to talk about it in front of however many girls were there. There was never any, I will say due process, because I'm an attorney, there was never any did someone said you did this like would you want to tell us about that and I'd be like I don't know we were playing Red Rover Red Rover I don't know what happened you know like I just was playing outside with my friends and that's that's one example um, and that kind of thing just happening one time actually really is very impactful uh, that that memory sticks with me to this day like just them using that particular Bible verse um, that you can't know your heart and we know your heart it was very powerful and that Basically, from that day on, I think I was very susceptible to um, whatever they told me I had done and whatever they told me um, what my motivations were. I was never able to correct myself. If you ever misspeak, people misspeak all the time. Um, I most spoke multiple times, and the leader of this group, when I would go to correct myself, he would tell me, no, whatever comes out of you first is what comes out of your heart. Anytime I tried to explain something or tell tell the way that I perceived something and I'll tell another another story I, I do have a quick so, question yeah when, when those first few manipulations let's call them what they are when those first yeah. few things happened and you had to kind of even confess before others things that you really didn't even feel guilty for let me ask you was part of that tucked away inside of you that stayed ferociously adamant that I did nothing this is ridiculous or did early on it kind of give way did you become malleable and and say look well, maybe I did where were you at and how did that change did you because what's interesting about the dynamic all three of us were in oh. the same place shamefully Glenn and I were part of leadership for some time okay but we weren't in the eldership of that particular part of it but the the, the difference is this Glenn, you have are a stickler for detail. Mm -hmm. Okay, you doing things right and in an orderly manner. Your right. military background, all those different things flow with you. Mm -hmm. I was kind of one of those that my middle fingers popped out really easy. I mean, I would be like, I'm, you know, I'm right. not going to obey. You're going to get a punch in the face. And so, and then Sarah Beth, you 
grew up as a homeschool child in this environment. So it's going to be interesting, the dynamic between our perspectives to be able to judge what was going on. But I want to know and I want to hear Glenn, you know, when she's got a a, a pause, I want to hear stuff that you remember as well, because I really think all three of us will have a different point of it. But um, so how many times did it take? Did you quarantine (laughs) part of your soul that said no? I want to be free. There, this is nonsense. Uh, it was it cloaked under anger, or did that all go away and you became very malleable because you were so young? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really interesting when I think about it. So I told y'all I'm very strong-willed. I'm a very determined person, and for sure, I will say both. Both. I did, I had both experiences. There was always a small part, and it became smaller and smaller over the years. I became a very broken shell of a human. In the last six years, I have become much more healed. But I also was very, and I was unable to function. I will say that. I wasn't able to get out of bed in the morning. I, I, I was not okay. And that, I was broken. But there was always a part in my heart where I, I would hold, I had this little place where I knew that at least here is what I would say. God sees this, and he's in charge. And I would at least say to him, you know, and you see. I need you to help. And I did that for my entire life. And I didn't understand what was happening. And I didn't trust myself because I was told that I couldn't. But there was always a little corner in my heart that I kept. And I think by God's grace, I kept that. And it was definitely... It's very interesting to me. People always are amazed that I even still am a Christian, that I even still go to church. And I think Scripture talks about how the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Mm -hmm. And I knew his voice all that time. It was very muddy uh, because they are telling me what he's saying. And oftentimes my best times with God were when I was not at church. And that was confusing to me. But there was a time when my mom left the church, left the cult, and this precipitated a, and I will say this, we can get into the more details about um, narcissistic personality disorder, uh, psychopaths, and all that kind of thing, where they're able to manipulate and triangulate people to do behaviors that they know exactly how to say the right thing to make a person do a thing and set up basically a domino effect. Yeah. When my mom saw that it was a cult, she left, and that created an environment in which my parents ended up getting a divorce. That has been one of the most painful things in my entire life. And that, she will be blamed for that. I can tell you that he is the reason that he, behind the scenes, that he manipulated that divorce. It was part of the control. It was all about the control. And but he, getting back to... He being getting, Voldemort. Voldemort, okay. yes. Yes. So getting back to the point of my answer, at the time of my mom, and the first thing my mom even did, the only thing she did was leave the cult, was leave, was stop going to church on Sunday morning and telling my dad, this is a cult, and wanting to get my younger siblings out of there. She read a book on spiritual abuse, and that was the first treasonous thing that she did. So when she did that, I was tasked, and my sister was tasked, with saving my mother. That is a burden that should never be placed on any child. And when I did not follow to the T exactly what he told me to tell her, 
And also he told me when I went to see my mom that I was not to let her speak, that I was not to let her talk at all or express herself. And I was simply to speak to her and then leave. But she's my mom and I love her. And she started to talk and I let her talk to me. When I got back to the house and reported back, because we must report back everything we ever thought or said or did, there was never any private thought. There was no private feeling. Everything was known by everyone else. I told what happened. He said, from now on, whatever happens in your family is your fault. You disobeyed me, and God basically will punish you. And if your parents are divorced, it's because of you. I had that burden placed on me. And then he said, you do not love your family. You do not love them. If you loved them, you wouldn't have disobeyed me. And that was the moment, and I'm, this is, I'm getting to a point, that was the moment where inside of me, I felt that strong little person stand up and say, nobody will ever tell me ever that I don't love my family. I will never, ever, ever let you say that to me again. I never said that on the outside because y'all know that would have been suicide. But I went to bed that night and I cried and cried and cried these hot, angry tears. And I was like, I love my family and no one can tell me any differently. And it was those moments, though, those are gaslighting moments where someone tells you, you don't love your family and you can't perceive your own love. You can't perceive your own feelings. And I can see that you are responsible for this multiple, multiple times. And so, yes, there was a part of me that stood up and now the next day... My dad called me and he said, I heard that you had an attitude with Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) You You, go, girl. (laughs) You need to repent. You need to repent. And I drove around for the day just stewing and wrestling with it. And ultimately, I did break down and I did apologize and have to grovel back and earn affection and acceptance. And that was the cycle of my life for about 25 years. Sarah Beth, can we back up for for the benefit of our <laughs> li- listeners? A lot sure. of people are tuning in and they're like, okay, whoa, wait a second. How did we go from Crazy. church to this weird cultic dynamic? They think, okay, this obviously you're intelligent. You're an attorney. Um, Glenn and I, I don't think are that stupid. And, <laughs> but yet we bought into this. And I want right. to give them the advantage that intelligent people, most people yeah. at that particular Voldemort's fun park, okay, they were actually above average intelligence, well above. Very much so. Your whole entire family is, is extremely intelligent, Sarah Beth. And it's like, so we all fell for this. Granted, you were a child. Okay, you didn't go there. Glenn and I were in our 20s. How is it that you even, or we even, from your opinion, got into a position where we were willing to listen? Because a lot of people, the first time that a pastor would say, well, you don't love it, they'd be like, what? What would you say to me? And they'd walk right off like they're a a moron. So there's a gradual thing. For example, and a little bit of, of my answer to that is as an adult going there, a young adult, we were somewhat sucked in and imprisoned twofold, I think. One of it was we were we were imprisoned. The bars of the gates, if you will, were our most noble sensibilities. 
It was the salvation of lost souls. Mm -hmm. It was the true reformation. The gospel needed to be purified. The church needed to actually do its real calling. Look at the dysfunction in your family. Look at the dysfunction in your family. Look at the dysfunction, all of this. And people aren't obeying the word. They're missing the order of the church. The other thing was we all, and I'm not, because you were a child, You, Glenn, I know for you and I, there was an aspect that we needed affirmation. We needed somebody to look at us and give us a, a purpose. And you know yep. what? It wasn't just a purpose. It was like, you're not just called. You're going to be one of God, God's green berets. I mean, it was out there. It was. And that affects the ego. That's humiliating to talk about. Especially when you're 20, 21 years old. Yes. So, so you're in your 20s and you start falling for this. So, folks, there's a slow boiling of the frog going on here. And Sarah Beth, being a child growing up in it, obviously you're malafflicted, you know, within that, that system. There's no way it can't. So that is very interesting. <clears throat> so you kept the despairing when you said that you couldn't get out of bed and all that. That was more in your adult years, your college years. That was later on. That's, that's after I left okay. and everything fell apart. Yeah. Well, and yeah. there is, if you study cults, they don't even have to be offshoots of Christianity, or this was a born-again cult. They at least handled the gospel, okay? It wasn't some false religion, even though it got really insidious, but every single cult around the world follows these same manipulative principles, they will shun you. They use information control. They use character assassination. They usually have a narcissistic personality disordered individual that's got a lot of charisma, that's intelligent or handsome or beautiful or whatever, and they get into the position and they instinctively know exactly what... You know, it's kind of like a pimp working his, his girls, okay? okay? It's, ex it's exactly like that, actually, because I have studied... Um, we have a sex trafficking issue in Baltimore, and I have taken training classes, and it's identical. It's identical. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's identical. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Glenn, real quick, can you mm -hmm. think of a gaslighting example from your perspective? From the listeners, I want them to get the texture of all three. Somebody that was rebellious, somebody that was orderly. You were eager to be accepted. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I was kind of rebellious and worn down, and she was a child. What is it? What drew you into the whole manipulation and the gaslighting? That or was, kept you there. I, what kept me there was the fear of leaving. I was saved there. Um, most of my life, I had been searching for the gospel. You got to remember, I was the guy looking for the mark of the beast in my forehead in the mirror right, when I was thirteen years old. So I had finally heard the fullness of the gospel, and that's where I was deeply convicted of my sin, and I came to salvation. And my thought process was, wow, this is where I heard the truth of salvation. And this is where I made the error of thinking was that, oh, well, since the gospel's true here, everything else they're saying must be true as well. And I stayed in that. And I often remember thinking, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. But I didn't because I did not want to displease God. I was afraid of being judged. And that was the threat. If you left, that your life would be destroyed. Well, right there, if you're involved in a church or an organization and they basically give you doom and gloom if you leave, we're the exclusive truth holders, right? If you leave our fellowship, bad things are going to happen to you. That's a really, really, really bad sign. It's a sign you need to go. Yeah, it really is. So um, there's a dynamic. If you look at bait, 
Um, Sarah Beth, you mentioned a book that led to your mom leaving. Yeah. And that book is called The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. Okay. And anybody listening to this, and it was um, a friend of ours, Mike, uh, Mm -hmm. that actually put that, gave it to your mom. And I listened to an interview the other day about from the authors, and they're amazing guys. So if you're in a weird church, you don't know what's going on, you might have to hide it or whatever. <laughs> Get the subtle power of spiritual abuse. There's another one. It's called Charismatic Captivation. There are so many denominations that have waxed cultic. There I go with the King James again. There but you go. It, 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 they have become cultic. Um, bait, baiting. Everything she was describing, Sarah Beth is talking about, even as a young person, them baiting her into a system of control, that triangulation you had mentioned. Do you know that, um, you know what they, some people in the uh, northern territories would do, like in the Arctic? They would actually take a knife, a very sharp knife blade. They would stick it down into the ice, and then they would cover it with blood. Really? Because wolves would come and lick it and cut their tongue severely. And then the other wolves would track that wolf because they knew the psychology of the pack. Okay. They knew the psychology of the creature. And they would have that wolf know what was going to motivate him, know what would put him on the run, and know how the pack would respond. So then the pack would end up devouring itself. They would learn. They would get a taste for, for cannibalism within their species. All this stuff. So... People that were very devious knew how to deal with that specific creature. You study, it's kind of creepy, even with fish. You study the way that they make um, bait, okay, and they know your behavior. It's scary to think that certain individuals... Question, Sarah Beth. Yeah. Do you think that Voldemort was aware of... he, He did what he did out of devious intent... Or he really believes that he was serving God in in the actions that he did. I have actually thought about this quite a lot. This is that blew my that idea when I first left everything. Uh, it plagued me. It did, and I I will tell you that the more that I study this and the more that I hear stories of my parents because they've actually known him since they were in college, and so the things that I have learned about him and the things and conversations. Uh, that I've heard that they had, and I will, I'll tell some of those things, but also just studying that, that type of person. I believe that he knew exactly what he was doing. I think he was very intelligent. Y'all talked about charismatic and handsome and all those things. I don't know how in the world. He is not, there's nothing about him that is handsome, but he must just be very convincing, and I know that he, he seems very intelligent, but I, I don't understand how exactly he captivated us in the way that he did. I do believe that there were, and I don't want to sound super weird, I think there was definitely demonic influence. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. And there, the fear factor, but yes, I do think that he knew exactly what he was doing. So, we won't say names. He d- he was very proficient in psychology, so he understood the way that people's minds work. I believe he was really good at understanding people's personalities I'm a particular type of personality type, they call it empath, and they are specifically uh, very, people with a narcissistic personality really love to prey on people who are empathetic people, Um, and so, and I think all of us in some way are empathetic, but he really loved to manipulate uh, me in that way, but yes, 
he would have conversations with my dad in college about what would happen to a large group of people if they were kept from the outside world. He would talk about these ideas before he ever implemented them as though it was like some type of psychological experiment. And my dad has told me about these conversations and it really kind of creeped me out because it was before any of this, he was a professor, and it made me really, I believed it before that, but it made me really realize, I believe we were an experiment for him. Uh, I think he mm. became very excited and in the same way, and I will say this, in studying um, sexual assault cases and things like that, it's not about the sex, it's about the, the domination. Right. Um, and so that's where they get that thrill from. And this is the same type of thing. The thrill he, he got was from watching people do what he thought, I'm going to get them to do this particular action. I'm going to control them in this way. Do I think possibly he believed God was happy with him? Maybe. I, I, really, I really think it was all just for money, all just for control. And, and there was no original good intent there. Uh, and I have, some, I have some kind of personal reasons that may come out later on it's another person's story to tell why I know that for sure he was always evil and always a predator and that's something that's not my story to tell again but it is it is true yeah there's something else too that I turned a blind eye to while we were there was his bookshelf in his office and this is a cue that there is something amiss I don't care how spiritual you say you are but when you have Aleister Crowley's book set and the book of witchcraft on your bookshelf, on display in your pastoral office, that's a cue. And really what we're talking about here with this manipulation and control, that is witchcraft. That's exactly what that is. And I remember finding out from him, I don't know if I asked him personally or if somebody else did, why do you have these books on your bookshelf? And his answer always was, well, I have to know what the enemy is up to and how that works. I have to know that. No, you don't. I, hearing both of y'all say that, the reason I asked that question, because I vacillated between both opinions. At times, when I saw him one-on-one, I was selling a car for him at one time, and a guy drove up from Georgia to buy it. It was a Mustang. And um, he ministered to the guy in a very genuine way. And I knew him on somewhat a different level. I, I've always wondered, are you dealing with something that there's certain people, it's almost like you, you observe a tiger and a tiger will be fascinated by the movement of prey. It doesn't have to sit there and premeditate that it watches a sheep go back and forth and it's like it literally wants to devour the sheep. I think that there's, whether it's a physiological component, a demonic component, biological component, I think all of those things are at play. Certain people have a different size amygdala, right, in their brain That's that psycho killers or psychopaths will have a very, almost like tiny um, one and they don't have a lot of empathy. So I do see... Um, tending towards the malignant side of, of narcissistic personality disorder when you just look through those different traits and you read about it and self-educate yourself like on YouTube or read the DSM-5 or 4, it would have been at the time, but 5 now. There's a lot of those interesting traits. I've gone in between two both opinions. I've seen him very tender and the ultimate narcissistic, if, I recommend to our readers and also to you guys if you haven't heard it, Dan Carlin with Hardcore History. It's wonderful. If you have to work for long hours or go on a long drive, 
uh, listen to hardcore history. Listen to the one about the Anabaptist fanatics in Munster. It'll blow your mind. You know why? Because the exact same behavior patterns, the exact same shunning, the exact same false prophecy, the exact same, all of these gaslighting techniques, they go on in that. And you see that these people were starving to death based off of these techniques. They were willing to be led so far astray. So that's very interesting. But I lean more towards him truly embracing that he's doing the will of God and that he's doing it with a genuine heart. There's a deception. And it's interesting that you say that the things that he's done have been found throughout history. And if you go back and take a look at the scribes and Pharisees who Jesus spoke against very very boldly, they did the same things. When Jesus said, you know, you're shutting up the kingdom of heaven from these people, you're putting all these heavy weights on, do all these different things. There is a, in that deception, there is a demonic component to that. There's a spiritual component to that. It's not just because I I don't think he went to the extent of studying the Anabaptists and like, oh, I'm going to do that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But there are other groups that Similar things are going on and similar things that happen and they don't necessarily have conventions where they get together. It's like, oh, let's triangulate these people and let's do this. There may be some that are like that, but it's general. It's throughout the world. And here's the interesting thing is that gaslighting, like what we're talking about, just doesn't occur in spiritual situations, but it also occurs in workplaces. It occurs in relationships between husband and wife. Um, so it's something that's not just contained in a certain area, which adds to a demonic spiritual component to it, where walking in that deception given over to that. We're complex creatures, and mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of, I don't know, after being in such a judgmental place and being a judgmental person, mm-hmm. okay, I've kind of gotten off that. Doesn't mean that I don't do judgment, right? Right. But I'm just not comfortable in going like, oh man, that guy's a devil, right? Well, so am I, I, if if not for the grace of God. So I've I've come the full scheme. You know what, Sarah Beth, I think you might, I'd be interested to hear your comment on this. I know this is very personal and for him, and I'm not saying this out of some hatred, but there was a time when a certain young member of his family almost died after an accident and i think that one of the one of the main factors of being a narcissist is that you have this sense of grandiosity a sense of chosenness and that's a scary thing when you overlay that with legitimate calling from the lord think about it right i'm special god has called me that that flows right. that's that's scary well when that child got injured And he prayed and and did all these things before God. And I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Please, you know, whoever people that are listening to this, wherever this goes, I'm not saying this out of hatred for either one of those two people. Got it? But I do believe that a lot of times when you think that you had a whole lot to do with a miracle that just happened, all of a sudden he went from, I'm not just a Christian, I'm not just a strong Christian, I'm not just a minister or a counselor or all these different things. I'm like an apostle that just raised somebody from the dead. And I believe that experience is traumatic and is joyous and all the things that that was may on the tail end of it, that demonic component that you're talking about, 
Because let me tell you, when do you see the demonic really rise up? A lot of time you see it at a point of breakthrough, reformation, victory, a miracle happens, revival mm-hmm. breaks out, and then all of a sudden this crazy weird stuff goes, goes on insane. like crazy. Well, I think if anything solidified a inner narcissistic component that may not have been at a point of maturation to to cause trouble i think the chosen one connection right then clicked in that you know what i'm not just a a minister i'm not your average bear um i'm i raise the dead and and i've thought about this for a long long time it feels weird to even talk about it but what do you what do you see from that sarah beth all right i've i've got some thoughts so you're, you've presented something. I never really thought about it from that perspective. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring y'all some like breaking news, and if, if you maybe you already know it, maybe you don't know it. Um, but there's some information. He would make up stories as well, and I would like to be very clear. If anybody that goes to this this place and they know who they are, I really care about all of you that are still in there, and even the specific person that Dan just mentioned. Um, who was injured as a child. I really do. And that is a work that God sent in my heart because I had a really hard time with some of those friendships. Um, they were very, very, very toxic. But I don't know this. I don't know the specifics around that incident you're talking about where there is a miracle that mm-hmm. happened. I will bring up another story that he was really fond of telling about the cancer that he had. Okay. Um, he actually didn't ever have cancer. And I have an excellent source for that. That excellent source is both of my parents. Oh, okay. Um, Yes. Um, And so the first time he told that story in the pulpit, I will say, I don't want to say names of people publicly, but to give you a time frame, because I was really young. Mm -hmm. Um, It was Dan, your brother-in-law, was there, and he was pretty fresh. And he came up to my dad and asked my dad, what was that like when he was dying? Because my parents were around for that. They've been around um, for the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, this this tells you the impact, and I'll tie it into gaslighting, this tells you the impact of the gaslighting, because you don't trust your own perception, and when the person can tell a lie like that, and you are too afraid of them to say that is not true, and that's what happened with my dad. I hope my dad isn't mad at me for telling this, but both my parents after I got out of the cult and I reunited with my mom, we were talking about a lot of things and I would, because he used that story to give him credibility. Mm -hmm. I was, I believed that and I hung on to that and believed God to do many things that God can do. But he basically had cat scratch fever and he really does like to inflate things in his mind and make them very dramatic. So he had been, he had gotten some kind of scratch or something got infected. But what happened was it was not non-Hodgkin's lymphoma as we were all told for many years. That's what it we was actually, told. he never wasted away down to the 85 pounds. He oh, never wow. had the bad bedside manner story. It was, in fact, cat scratch fever because my, my dad said that my family, we were getting ready to leave town. And I believe I would have been just a toddler, but... He said he stopped by to see him on the way out of town, but it really wasn't that serious. He was just sick with that. Um, and it turned into this story. So the first time, and I know this is hearsay. I, my dad would be able to tell it to you first person exactly the way that he told it to me. But um, my dad told me that. My mom told me that. And I was just floored. And to me, that tells the, the power that he had over people because they knew that it was a lie. And even still, we're too afraid to either confront it 
or to leave it. Um, they didn't trust their own selves. But that story was not true. And so then I have questioned the story that Dan you just told. Now, I don't want to question that story insensitively because if it's real, I'm really sorry that it happened and I'm really happy it turned out the way that it did. Yes. Um, but he was a storyteller. He was excellent at drawing you in and making up really crazy stories and you believed them. And that story was not true. And, and that to me is really and really, really, really big deal. And that's, that's a, a complete deal. lockstep with being narcissistic. You exaggerate your accomplishments, your experiences. And one thing that these leaders do, and he definitely did it, weren't we all under the impression that he like spoke to God face to face like Moses? I mean, he heard, he had discernment, he had all this stuff. He was on another level. And if we could just strive to become that. And you know what? One of the books that I mentioned, I think it was Charismatic uh, Captivation. It was written like in the 70s before this Voldemort's uh, Fun Park even existed, right? And so when I read that, saw all these patterns, that's why the hardcore history, that'll help some people. They won't get in trouble for listening to it, okay? Because mm-hmm. nobody will know what they're getting out of it. Listen to that hardcore history about the Anabaptist, and then look at your church, okay? And if you see that, oh my goodness, look, so-and-so just left, and then you start hearing, oh, well, she was sleeping with so-and-so. You won't believe, Sarah Beth, there was stuff that was told about the people that would leave, okay, before we left, okay, and yeah, way before yeah. you left. I mean, that just hideous things, and 99% of all of it was complete fabrication. And yes. God forbid, if you had an imperfection or, an, uh, or a sin or something that got exposed, then, oh, it was they were going to milk that for all it's worth. And that's typical. The shaming, the shunning, mm-hmm. the, oh, um, your your sons and daughters are going to be drunkards and whores. Oh, you're going to die prematurely of a heart attack. All these are direct quotes. Everyone that I just said really happened to people yeah. that were still there to try to keep them from leaving. You're going to die. You're going to have curses. You're going to all of the di- different things. Business is going to fail. You're going to get a divorce. It's going to fail and, and be so-and-so's fault. It's because you did this and did that. It's really mm-hmm. wild how we got sucked into that. In, in talking about this in the discussion of, of the lies, for me, for, even though I was sucked into it, going to church was a painful experience i did not want to go near the end no the whole time i was there i did not i did not like it 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 felt evil to me that's the way that the best way god to me in that realm was portrayed as this evil thing that wanted to smite you and to judge you if you stepped out of line so it was like a performance review it was a performance review Hmm. and even with the even while we were there and dan you remember this and sarah beth you were you were there too when this was going on when i was being accused by the elders of of adultery and they would show up on my doorstep at 12 30 11 30 at night to discuss with me the adulterous affair that i was having that i was not having and when i would try to convince them that no this is not the case they would dig in even deeper and well what's in your heart like you were saying glenn i forgot about that yeah. oh my goodness glenn i didn't know that i am so sorry that yeah. happened that so is i i'm going this for the for our listeners you know usually you hear you know glenn and and, and things like that i'm kind of having a tough time right now i'm just I'm, getting real i'm, I'm having saw a you, tough time i saw you in the hot tub with the three strippers yeah. but i didn't think anything beyond that was going on <laughs> 
Listen, <laughs> wow, I didn't, I did not know that. No, I knew sorry, that there was yeah. a con. I knew there was a controversy yes. over you. Yes. Um, I didn't actually know that, and that's terrible. And I'm sorry. here's like, I here's just, that's yeah. very sad. And here's what the controversy was, and this ties into the narcissism. And Dan, you probably remember the men's meeting that this occurred at. This was many, many years ago, and this is for the benefit of our listeners. If you're in a system like this, and you have faced this. You need to leave, and it's okay to leave because God is good. All right? Yes. God yes. has Say called that. you. Say that. God is good. That's what you need to remember. But you remember when he told me that I was called to run the Grace Bible Institute. I, as a matter of fact, Sarah Beth, I was doing that with your dad. Okay? Yeah. You mean the Voldemort's fun part? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's the problem. We had that men's meeting. Uh, oh, I hate that term. Mm. The men's Man. meeting, and the institute was starting to gain traction. And he looked at me from across the table, and he said this to me. He's like, your institute will never supersede my ministry. That wow. was what the problem was. So anytime that I started to move in the gifts of the Holy Ghost and move in the gifts of God, I remember there was one time when I filled in for Dan when we were doing the radio show. And I carried the radio show, and he called me afterwards. He's like, why did you do that? I'm like, well, Dan and I discussed that's what we were going to do before. That's when you went down to um, Peru. Honduras. Honduras, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, that's what Dan and I said. He's like, you do not need to be on the radio. You should have brought somebody else in to talk. He had a problem when I started to move. And this was the case with anybody else in that ministry. When they started to move in any sort of freedom, it intimidated him. It scared yes. him. Yes. So immediately he'd have to pull out the spiritual club and beat you down and degrade your self-worth. Here, for our listeners that are <laughs> listening right now, if you're in a system like this, you need to get out because God loves you. He cares about you. That is not the God of the Bible. Yeah. That is not real. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Yes. There's a rudiment. Yeah. Sarah Beth and, and Glenn, I think you all have both seen this. And Glenn really is being moved by something. And it is that goodness of God. When doctrine gets twisted, there are tons of denominations. There's um, some United Pentecostal churches. There's I'm going to call a few names. There's some Church of Christ. There's some obvious sects, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a lot of different ones. Okay. And they all twist the gospel, so you got to work for it, and you got to obey a man. You got to jump through hoops. You got to do all these other things. Listen, if God is petty, we're all dead and going to hell. Okay, He gave His Son. He gave the law. He gave the light. Looking to Christ, you can look at Him and live with simple faith. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. You know, the United Pentecostals. Some of them cannot wear a metal tie clip. Um, they must speak in tongues like every day or it's an unspoken rule that you're probably not going to make it. Hideous legalisms, okay? Yeah. The, the best way to crack something is by hot and cold. Blast it with cold, blast it with hot. I noticed this rudiment of behavior there. It would be overwhelmingly about God's grace, how wonderful his grace was, how wonderful the main thing was that he just wants to be with you. 
He he laughs with joy when he sees you. You're the apple of his eye, right? You, Sarah Beth, you remember this stuff, right? Yes, it, was all it is so about, confusing. It was all yes. about this stuff. And then he would be like, you can go out and God's going to bless everything that you do. You're coming, you're going, you're going to do this. God's going to bless it. So then people would get hyped up and you'd go and say, man, I'm going to go make a million dollars. God is with me. I'm going to support the gospel and my family. And you stoop down to tie your shoes and did you get did you get counsel for that? Did covering approve that? Right. Are you under covering with yeah. doing this? And that's the hot and yeah. cold. That's that gaslighting. It's I'm gonna make oh I, it's that pimp. That pimp is going, baby, I love you. Yeah. Oh, you my special one. Smack. What did you do that for? Yeah. And it's that condition someone to be malleable and, and movable in that oh, what a demonic thing. I have heard yeah, so it can, is. Go ahead. Can Sarah. I say I'm so- can I, um, I've got a couple of things I want to say. Sorry, I like to talk. I'm like, let me say something. Do it. Um, You're the only lawyer I, have, I think I like. <laughs> I don't even like being a lawyer, so there's two things. One, I just want to speak to the listener really quickly, and I want to just really highlight what Glenn was saying, because there's a reason he's moved to tears, because he has tasted the goodness of God, and so have I. One of the reasons why I'm always aching and wanting to get on podcasts or tell my story to people is because I want people who have been through something like this to know that that is not who God is um, and that you can seek him and he will be found. And you don't need a pastor to tell you what God is telling you. Yes. And, um, And it kind of comes really quick, a history on that. It comes from something called the shepherding movement, and that was kind of from the 70s and 80s where the pastors are the mouthpiece of God. And it's taking a little bit of truth and really, really messing it up. And so that's just the fear that you're feeling at questioning authority. That's not a godly fear. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way. It's just not from God is what that means. And you need to trust that God is going to get you where he wants you. So that I just wanted to say and just hear our heart in this. This is not a bashing somebody that hurt our feelings conversation this is serious this is very serious because it is like the pharisees where jesus smacked down who did jesus smack down in the new testament he smacked down these kinds of spiritual abusive leaders and so we never read the new testament in sermons we read the old testament and it was weird not that the old testament is weird but that the way it was taught was weird when you read the new testament and study jesus those are the people he laid the smack down on who made it difficult for people to know God. And then what you're talking about where they will jerk your chain kind of, I always describe it this way. So I've been out of that system of control for six years and just, it's very soon. My anniversary is coming up uh, this week maybe or next week. I need to, I'm bad with dates. It's in February in the middle somewhere. It was a Tuesday in 2013 when I sent the letter and my life changed um, dramatically immediately after that. But um, we, we left in February as well, but in 2007. <laughs> yep. That's interesting. What I describe it as is I know how long my leash was. I know how long I had until I would get jerked back. You learn from the way they would treat you. So as soon as I started to be happy, um, as soon as I started to be free, truly free, I would get yanked back. So my exit really started when I went to law school. 
Law school was a very transformative time for me. First of all, I physically left the vicinity of this cult, which was very helpful. What's very interesting is that they could still control you long distance. And that is a question I get a lot is like, well, you were far away. I'm like, the manipulation is strong, especially because I grew up there. But when I got to school, I began to seek God on my own for not the first time, because I believe I've been saved since I was about seven years old, but really without anybody else around. And I was very different. I was extremely thankful, extremely joyful, extremely happy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. Just my heart to serve God. Like there was just no one knew what to do with me when I came back for break. And it upset them so much because I hadn't been speaking to the pastor's wives because, you know, we were supposed to always be in communication, which is code word for um, confession of all your brain. Uh, and so somehow I had been coming to these conclusions about modesty and all this stuff, which I've since realized I was kind of getting a little legalistic, but my heart was in the right place. I was like, what does God want of me? What does scripture say? I mean, I was so thirsty. And I came back for, I think it was Thanksgiving break, and I wasn't partying. I wasn't being crazy. I had just come back, and nobody nobody recognized me. We had a youth meeting, and the leader at that time just didn't know what to say because I was basically talking and sharing what God had been doing in my life and just taking over the meeting because it was just so evident that it was God. Well, they didn't like that because it wasn't from them. And so um, I came home. I went back up to school. I was with a friend who was attending um, the university I was going to at the same time. So we had driven down together, and we drove back up together. We drove back up to the university, and I missed an exit. I hadn't been driving that path very long. It was several states away. We missed an exit. We got a little bit lost. It turns out I called my dad. He knew exactly where we were. He said, take this road, take this road, blah, blah, blah. We got back to school. Well, they found out about the missed exit, and that was their chance to really beat me back into submission because they didn't have anything else on me. I wasn't drinking and being crazy. I was just loving God so much. They said that I had the spirit of Jezebel, and that is why I missed my exit. And they took all of the things I had said that entire week about loving God, about wanting to be a godly woman, about wanting all these beautiful things. And, I mean, the emails and the messages that I received were so evil and accusatory. And we know who is the accuser of the brothers, right? It is Satan. And I was just distraught. They threw my words back in my face and said, if you really want these things, you have to repent or you're, you're going to end up like this and this. And it destroyed me. It destroyed me. I was. We have a prayer room at the law school. I went to a Christian law school. I was in that room crying my eyes out, repenting of things I didn't. I was like, God, I don't see it, but I just want you to love me and I need you. And like, it was horrible. And that happened multiple times in law school. Within the first couple of weeks of classes, I received an email from one of the leaders just calling me names and telling me I can't trust anyone there. They all have the spirit of Jezebel. Don't trust my professors. They sound Christian, but they're not. And I'm here to tell y'all, those professors were so godly, and they were just trying to keep me away from it. And so my first year of law school was very... Uh, I was beaten up many times, um, spiritually beaten up many times by leadership for actually showing fruit. That wasn't fruit that they got to have 
you know, credit for. That's so, it. It's influence. Yeah. They were threatened yeah. by the fact that you come back euphoric, excited <laughs> with this new th- freedom. And you know what the real threat was? You were one part of that, but it was all of the other people, the high it schoolers was, yes. that were looking at you going, oh, so you represented, I mean, that control of community is amazing amazing yeah sarah beth we got to take a quick break we're going to be right back can you hold on the line for a moment sure yeah okay be Mm -hmm. right back with you get real we'll be soon back 